0: Freaking first cut, golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's CJ Cup, second straight week in Las Vegas. We'll go tier by tier, breaking down the course, the players, and everything in between, and joining me is Sienna Jad. See ya! What
1: up? What a watered down field this CJ Cup is. They, they couldn't they couldn't get some better players here. What's the deal?
0: Who are we missing? Rom? Bryson? Cantley? Is, is that it? Cantley. Pretty good. Yeah, there is a question in the chat. I see this in the chat. Does anyone know why Bryson is not playing this week? Uh, he told us this uh, a couple of weeks ago that he was taking off until Hero World Challenge, but I guess he will also play 12 holes against. Brooks Kepka in the meantime Greg Ducharme is here Greg welcome uh I think what three more touchdowns from Derrick Henry this week so you must be feeling pretty good
2: <laughs> yeah um to take a turn to the NFL again Derrick Henry did great Jamar Chase is fantastic Cooper Cup's floor is as high as the ceiling in my house it's um <laughs> the spoils of fantasy football roll on So, yeah, happy about that. Hoping that this week's DFS is a little better than last week. We had some carnage. We had some miscuts from guys I was very high on, which I I knew could happen. Uh, I just didn't think it would. I I thought, you know, of course, I thought I picked a bunch of winners on Wednesday. So hopefully this week. You you never think you're going to pick a bunch of losers on Wednesday. No. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd hope you wouldn't pick them. Uh,
0: Speaking of that carnage. See ya. Uh the best way to I think to illustrate this is the six of six rate. So the percentage of lineups that got all six golfers through the cut line. Cutsweats.com. Uh it ranks every single tournament. Essentially, sub one percent uh of lineups got all six of six golfers through, thanks to Abe Answer, Webb Simpson. I mean, it was it was it was carnage, yeah. I like, think
1: that's a good word. Yeah, and it's almost like a sigh of relief when you see that on cut sweats when you know you have like five out of six, or maybe even four out of six, and it's like, oh, thank God, that bar graph is super low. Like, and you look to the left. I'm not the only one. No, you look to the left, and it's like, oh, is that the five percent mark or the or the ten percent mark that it's under? And this thing was as low as it could possibly be, so that was good. But I mean, it's certainly not a comforting feeling. Obviously, you know, we know this is going to happen in these events where. And I think you guys talked about this yesterday on the first cut, Greg, you specifically, Mm -hmm. where it's like, man, these easier courses, it brings everybody into play. We talked about it last Monday, too, of course. And it's one of those things where you expect Carnage. But I think last week for some of those sort of top names, you didn't really expect it as much as we actually saw it. So it was very interesting. And this tournament is obviously the setup is going and, and the talent pool is going to be a lot different. But. Correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but this seems like another one where the, the scores are going to be pretty low.
0: Yeah, we're gonna let's let's talk about the course. I'll share my screen here. This is my website, rickrungood.com. We have never seen the Summit Club on the PGA tour to Tom Fazio design. It opened four years ago. Greg, this is, I'm not gonna call it a resort course because it's not technically a resort, but this is Literally uh, one of the most luxurious, high-scale uh, places res- residences that you can live in Las Vegas. It is definitely designed for a certain clientele. That clientele is not PGA Tour professionals. And when you start to look at this place, uh, and I'll be out there on Tuesday. I'll walk it, I'll go hole by hole and see what's going on. But my early indication is... It's very generous off the tee. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of width out there. There's a lot of places where you're not going to get into trouble. It's pure desert golf. I am interested to see how it translates onto our touring professionals.
2: It's always difficult when you haven't seen a golf course before to know exactly what kind of player is going to have success. That That's our biggest challenge this week. We have no data. Very similar to what we saw at Caves Valley and a couple of other courses through the year. Anytime we get a brand new venue. That being said we have had some Tom Fazio venues, some courses that Fazio has worked on. Uh, I think of quail hollow, I think of caves Valley, which we only have one rendition of. So looking at some of those Tom Fazio courses, I do think there's, um, I I do think there is a a thread, a common thread, um, a specific type of player that seems to do really well at the Fazio venues. And I think that could play into our hands this week. I, I do think it could be advantageous. So some of the stuff you mentioned, Rick, having width, and there is some length to the golf course seventy four hundred yards, even though it's a par seventy two. Um, there, there's a little bit of length there, um, and and I, I know for me, I'm looking at at drivers. The, what the common thread for Fazio courses is a lot of long hitters do really well, and then you sprinkle in some other guys who who play well, like an avance answer or like a Web Webb Simpson, and they they can um, Accumulate some nice finishes, but for the most part, it's the really long hitters that do really well on most Fazio courses.
0: On Fazio designed courses dating back to 2010, of guys who have at least double digit rounds played, oh boy! Best player gaining 2.11 strokes per round. He's the dead man, Hudson Swafford. Oh boy! Wait, it was Harry Hall last week. See, a dead man goes out, plays well. Is it? Is it Hudson Swafford week? I mean,
1: it's a no-cut event, right? <laughs> That's true. So you know, have yourself a couple really good days, and you're paying your price, which is you know, it's going, it's certainly going to factor in. The one thing I want to ask you guys, though, is yeah, it's it looks long, but you know, Rick, I guess you know as well as anyone, you know, the the air is, it, it, it's it's not going to play this long, right, in Vegas. So I mean, are are we looking for? And obviously, we're looking on the screen at sort of your your course key stats, but. Are we looking for long hitters or are the shorter hitters going to be in play to to just kind of traverse some of the things that the longer hitters can normally traverse?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. So we're at about twenty three hundred feet of altitude here, Greg, which is a big difference over sea level, uh, but not, you know, it's not. Too big over what 1500 feet or a thousand feet of altitude. I don't know what it is, a couple of yards, couple of percentage of points, but it is interesting. When, when the, to me, and I, I felt the same way, you know, go look at um, Detroit Golf Club, go look at TPC Twin Cities, places where I think you can kind of bomb it without regard for accuracy. Do, do you have to be long, Greg? Do you, do you have is that the only way to get it done?
2: No, but it happens quite often. Uh, it, you'll see a leaderboard full of guys that are long hitters. There's still opportunity for shorter hitters to perform well. They just have a, it becomes very simple. What happens when the golf course is less penal is the par three you play after your tee shot gets more similar. And the thing that differentiates between uh, the par three that Abraham answer plays and the par three that Rory McIlroy plays is the length of it. And Mm. um, so even if you miss fairways, they're much more similar. The angle may change. The whole location may change based on where you hit that tee shot. But the biggest separator is the distance. So that's why I think you get a Cam Davis win at the at the Rocket Mortgage, Um, a little bit of a longer hitter. Um, And and you'll see that from time to time. Is it going to happen every time? No, of course not. But it does give them a built in advantage. And when we don't have data to back it up and we don't know exactly what's going to happen, all we know is who designed the golf course. And a, a lot of Fazio courses uh, on the greens, they are big. They have some undulation, but the sections can be flat. So you, you don't have huge swinging putts if you're on the right level. So right. getting the ball on the right level becomes important, and that's easier to do with shorter clubs in. So my lean is still longer hitters. I do think it gives them an advantage. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot to go on. So this is maybe one little nugget that may turn out to be a tiny thread, but I do think it's something worth looking at. And I I think it could be, if you're in between two players, it could be something that gives you a little bit of an edge. Uh
0: let me ask you this and then we'll jump to the cheat sheet. and We'll dive into this. I'm going to be out there tomorrow. What should I be looking for? I'm not a course architect expert, right? So as I'm walking this course, what should I be looking for? Should I be looking at those green complexes and seeing kind of how big those tiers are or where it rolls off? Should I be looking at width of fairway or length of rough? What things should I consider when I come back with my, you know,
2: my Intel? I would imagine length of rough is negligible. One thing I would imagine that as well. This is a common thread on, on uh, Tom Fazio courses is where the fairways are wide, but they tend to pinch. And so where are the, where are the players landing their ball? Are there players who can carry bunkers? Even though the rough isn't long, you do get some deep bunkers on Fazio courses and those can become hazards. And, and the bunkers can separate players on length based on carry distance. So again, to use the same two players, Rory may be able to carry the corner of a dog leg and leave himself a flip wedge in where Abraham Anser might have to hit a three wood out to the corner because he can't carry the bunkers. He's either got to shape it between them or he's got to lay back off the tee. So I'd be looking at some of those landing areas and where are are they narrow? Are they pinched or is there within in in the landing area for everybody? And that can also be a differentiator. And then secondly to that, how does how's the golf ball? Um, receiving the greens are Mm -hmm. you seeing a a big first bounce are you seeing the greens be pretty receptive is there a big difference between a guy approaching the green with an eight iron and a guy approaching the green with a wedge and if you see that that big difference all it does is give a, a bigger advantage to the longer hitters so um, those would be the two things, landing areas and and firmness greens. even though the firmness is going to change throughout the week. It's just it, it can be a good indicator on a Tuesday. Hey, they're they're really bouncy or they're pretty receptive. And it, again, it will change throughout the week. But that's something I'd be looking at.
0: All right. I'm on it. I will report back, let you know what I find. Let's go to the cheat sheet. And this is an absolutely stacked field. Six golfers see above $10,000. It didn't take long. Dustin Johnson gets five points at the Ryder Company's back atop the board as the most expensive golfer, 11,300. JT, 11,1. Colin Morikawa, 10,8. Xander 10 10,6. Jordan Spieth is 10,3. And Rory McElroy rounds out the group at 10,100. Do you want to do the Colin Morikawa thing now, or do you want to save it until the end of this uh, pricing tier?
1: Well, I was probably going to start with Colin Morikawa, so maybe we should do it now.
0: Colin Morikawa, as has been well-documented and will be discussed uh, ad nauseum, is Mm – constantly at the summit club plays out of that when he's in town, a near daily basis, he is over there. Now we have had different conversations about whether that is a good or bad thing when it comes to tournament time. But I imagine Sia most are going to see it as a very, very good thing.
1: Yeah. And especially when you measure it against, you know, whatever metrics you think are important here. Like for me, for example, uh stroke gain par five, uh, which I think is pretty important here, approach off the tee. Um, recent form is good, so I mean, Colin Morikawa makes a lot of sense. I think Colin Morikawa and and probably in this top tier, Justin Thomas, uh, especially with his recent form, him him kind of coming on. I think those two guys are are really good plays. I think Xander's a really good play. There's there's not a lot of plays I don't like here, but. I would probably be focused on Colin Morikawa the most, um, particularly because of how familiar he is. He is here, but all the other stuff sort of matches and measures out too. So it's it's one of those things. It's going to be hard to get away from him uh, when it comes to ownership. I'd be really curious to see who the top guys are in this range. I will say this: in in already building a couple of lineups. It feels like it's soft pricing because of who was in the 6K and who was in the 7K, even the 8K range. So there shouldn't be a conversation that you're having with yourself like, oh man, I just, I think DJ is, or Justin Thomas, I I just think they're priced too high because you're going to be able to fit in the the team that you, especially in a no cut event, you're going to be able to fit in the team that you look at on Wednesday evening. And you're like, yeah, this team is ready to roll. So I wouldn't worry about prohibitive pricing here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. I'm probably uh, a, a bit partial to the pivot to the other Las Vegas resident, Xander Shoffley, who's just always in complete control. He's going to be very familiar with with the setup and the conditions. He's great on bent grass. Greg, when you look at this this 10K, uh, we've got let's see, two guys who have thrived in no cut events. That's Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley. You have the connections to the club with Colin Morikawa. You have Dustin Johnson, who we know when he's like whatever direction he's going in good or bad, whatever direction he starts going in, it's kind of hard to stop him. So we might mm-hmm. be in the midst of starting a run like that. And then Spieth and McIlroy, who I imagine will just be overlooked because everyone might opt for one of the top
2: four. The guy that jumps out to me, maybe it's because his, his picture on, uh, on DraftKings has a, hasn't been a red shirt that might have something to do with it. But Rory <laughs> that's, McElroy that's jumps it. <laughs> off the page to me. I, I look at what he's done in, um, in, in, other Tom Fazio venues, he played very well at, um, he played very well at the BMW championship. He came in fourth there. He won the Wells Fargo. We know about his history there. Uh, even the Olympics, he, he was in that playoff for, um, for, in the playoff for the bronze and, and that is another course that Tom Fazio had his hands on. So I, I, because I'm looking at driving and I think it's going to be a big advantage this week. I think Rory is a really solid play. That being said, there are a lot of other really solid plays in this. I think Rory just might be overlooked and he's he's very was. worth putting on your team. Yeah. Maybe there's another a little extra motivation from the Ryder Cup. Maybe Rory had a little look in the mirror after his emotional Ryder Cup disappointment and says, "Hey, I got to I got to step it up here." And and this is where it starts. So, I expect some good things out of Rory McIlroy and I think he's worth taking a chance. Dustin Johnson, like you said, really hard to stop a great driver of the ball as we know can take advantage of a place where there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of punitive nature going on
0: the other thing greg is i don't think people realize how good dj's been with his putter i mean he has just been piling up weeks of gaining with the flat stick by my quick count like nine of his last 11 measured events he's gained and he's gained two and three and four. I I mean, he is, that is never discussed when it comes to Dustin Johnson. We talk about it with John Rahm. We obviously talk about it with Jordan Spieth. We never, ever really give DJ the credit he deserves with the putter.
2: And he is a really good putter. When we're watching DJ, when we're all watching Dustin Johnson and we think that, that um, he is in great form and we think Dustin Johnson is impossible to beat. His putting is great. It always is. And and it usually is over long periods of time when it goes South and he starts to play poorly, the putting has a tendency of stopping, but um, I think his ball striking is going to be a, is going to be really hard to contend with here. I, I love DJ's wedge play. I expect him to have a ton of wedge opportunities Uh, and really take advantage with the driver. And you combine those three areas, and there's a reason he's the top price player. So my favorite plays in this range are the the top and the bottom.
0: Rank one. Give us one, two, and three.
2: One, two, and three. I'd I'd say... um, And I'm including price here. Sure. So I think my my value plays would be Rory, DJ, Mm -hmm. and... I think I'd have to go with Xander after. Okay, that. I, I think I, Xander's a better putter than JT. I,
0: I was gonna go Xander DJ, and then I, I, you know, toss up. I would probably lean. Uh, I'd I'd probably go with cow. I'm not as high on the that narrative, Sia, just because we've heard guys say, and this this happened at Summerlin last week. Those pins that they played last week, you never see on a daily basis at TPC Summerlin. Now. Colin Cal is also just very, 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 very good at golf. So it might not, it might not matter anything. So let's, let's hear your three in this 10 K range. We'll bop on down to the nines.
1: Yeah. And by the way, that narrative, I'm all about narratives as as you guys know, but that's not even really a big factor. If like, if I'm looking at a pie chart, that might be like 15% of the reason that I like Colin Morikawa the best. And by the way, spoiler alert in my top three, Colin Morikawa is number one. Um, I think I have Xander two and Justin Thomas three. Fair enough.
0: $9,000 range larger than normal. We're seeing a pretty significant 9K range, Greg, because there's so many names. Uh, it starts with Sam Burns, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka goes all the way down to Cam Smith, Abraham Answer, and Scotty Scheffler. Those last two, a couple of disappointing missed cuts last week. Um, how do we start to assess this $9,000 range that also includes the guy who won Sung J.M. last week?
2: I really, I like Victor Hovland again. Um, Hovland in the BMW championship at Caves Valley played nicely, although it wasn't great. Um, he played very solid. He came in 17th and he did very well at the Wells Fargo, which is third. Again, going on the Tom Fazio style here, maybe maybe it, I'm putting too much emphasis on it, but I really, I like guys who are comfortable on these kind of golf courses. And, and Victor Hovland clearly is. So I, I do really like him. And I like Burns. I like those top two guys to have a really solid week. The other guy who has kind of had some sneaky success on Fazio courses is Cam Smith. He did great at the BMW. Um, he did well at the BMW, I guess. But it was really the Northern Trust where he he was on on fire, but he's done really well at these venues in in the past. So I think camp Smith could be a sneaky kind of a play here and we haven't seen a lot of him. So I don't know exactly where his game is, but he has my interest for sure. I love the way he rolls it. And again, not a lot of trouble off the tee can be an advantage for a camp Smith. He can really get it going with the iron play and he makes a ton of birdies last year. I think he was second on tour in birdie average. So the mm. guy, the guy can go low. He can make birdies, and this is a, the type of event he can really excel in. Let me give you a couple nuggets here.
0: Uh, first of all, Sam Burns is like the outside of his Sunday round at Summerlin. I mean, by far, like literally the hottest player on the planet, and he's doing it in a way uh, which is all tee to green, and he's a very good putter. Victor Hovlin last week gained five and a half strokes off the tee basically another five and a half on approach by far the best ball striker in the field. See, he lost nearly nine, nine strokes around the green. We know what Victor says about his short game. One (laughs) sucks at chipping, Uh, but this was by far the worst around the green performance of his career by a mile. He could be bad. He doesn't have to be that bad. He can lose three or four. I like Victor Hovland here. I'll probably go back to him. Uh, This 9K range that you generally like more than most, you know, we've been seeing in in the past couple of weeks and months, usually four or five names here. We're getting a much larger section. So is this still a range that you think is uh, worthy of the designation?
1: Absolutely, and it's also, and I usually say this, it's it's a range where I think you can start your build if you really want to, but but you don't have to. I'm just, uh, to me, there's a lot of talent in this range, and it starts with Victor Hovland. That, that around the green stat is really kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been pretty bad for him. We saw a correction in his in his around the green game in the middle of last year, and then it's it obviously did. regressed a bit. Uh, the putter hasn't been very good, but. I mean even if the like you said even if the around the green game remains kind of you know poor but not 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 as poor as the shriners the way he's ball striking it if he finds a hot putter like he's just going to win whatever tournament he's in and and I think he absolutely can win this one so I like Victor Hovland quite a bit as I sort of go down the board in the 9k range I think Tony Finau is interesting um especially in a no cut event where he can't break my heart it's <laughs> one of those things where Tony Finau can really Get hot. I mean, his. if you look at his numbers, like like we're looking at right now, they're, they can be kind of erratic here and there. But then look at the Northern Trust, for example, where, boom, he's just like crushing it off the tee, crushing it on approach. We know he's capable of doing those things. And oh, by the way, picking up four strokes with the putter. So uh, I could see a pop with Tony Fee now. I wonder what his ownership is going to be. I think it's actually going to be lower than it normally is when he's in the mid 9k range.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you and I'll give him credit. You know, he lost four strokes putting at the tour championship, but he has been much better with the flat stick recently here. So see, I want to bounce this right back to you because this is a, a rare occasion where we get a, an event in the same town the following week. So when you start to assess, maybe someone like Sung JM, who obviously was playing well coming in uh, to last week, wins the event, has to do the media obligations, but does not have to hop on a plane and go anywhere. Does that change your perception
1: of the previous week's champion? Not really, especially when it's Sung JM. I mean, he's so even keel. I, I just, I feel like almost like a, he. there's a little sense of like a Dustin Johnson with him where it's just kind of like, it's just another day out on the golf course. And so I don't really think, Uh, It's going to affect him negatively or positively. He's not a guy that I'm necessarily focused on in this tournament, but then again, I wasn't focused on him last week either. And so that didn't go very well. The only other guy in this range uh, that I'm pretty interested in is actually what the guy Greg said, which is Cameron Smith. Um, You know, he doesn't really grade out tremendously well, especially if you're focused on off the tee, but... Usually it's those tournaments where Cam Smith just surprises everybody. And uh, from an event history standpoint, um, again, I stress event history. He's, he's been great. But more importantly, I, I, his game has been in good shape. And, and I think his approach game can get really hot, which, which could – and his putter can get hot too. You guys miss the guy. It's Louie. It's Louie. Louis's the guy. So finishes
0: T14. No one knew nor cared what Louis did last week. I've never seen a more under the radar. I don't think I was, I was there for four days. I'm not sure I saw him hit a single shot. I just certainly didn't see one on TV finishes T14 third in the field in strokes gained T to green lost nearly two with the putter. This guy was the best putter on the planet earth last year. Uh, I'm buying Louis for $9,300. That's fair, right?
2: Yeah, I, I, it's I love a that Fair price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely a fair price. Um, the one thing on Louie to me, I just worry about him in these kind of events, a, a resort course with Louie to me, it doesn't jump off the page and he's so good when it's tough, when the golf course is tough. He's one of the safest play major championships. He's as safe a play as, as you get. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the Uh, warm and fuzzies about louis in these kind of events but hey sometimes numbers don't lie
0: we shall see you're right i mean he does i mean he posts unbelievable finishes he he really only plays he doesn't play a lot of easy events or a lot of easy courses he he tends to save it for for and i think
2: there's a reason for that it it doesn't necessarily he's not a guy that makes a ton of birdies he's a guy that's very good at avoiding bogeys in general so but we'll, we'll see how it goes. He's never a bad play. He's a, a fantastic player and it obviously hitting it quite well.
0: I want to move on to the AKs, but before we do, uh, we got to talk a- Abraham Answer and Scotty Scheffler because they were probably two of the biggest disappointments uh, from last week. Both missed the cut. Answer was horrible. Uh, he was two over. Scotty Scheffler was one under. He tried to make a run on Friday to make the cut, but let's see. Answer again, these are all in two rounds. Answer lost six strokes on approach, another shot and a half on the greens. Uh, Scotty lost three on approach, another three around the greens. Sia, is is this a moment to forgive and forget, or are we avoiding these guys for this week as well?
1: I'm willing to forgive and forget Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I think mm-hmm. his upside is a little bit better than answers, especially at a birdie fest. So, uh, and, and by the way, the metrics for Scotty Scheffler didn't look, they're, they weren't as unimpressive or sort of dangerous to me as, as answers were, especially that approach number uh, and losing three around the green for Scottie Sheffler. I'm not specifically worried about.
0: And that. I'll tell you, Sia, uh, the, uh, there are two defenses at Summerlin. One is the desert. If you're playing out of the desert, you're in trouble. The other ones around the greens, that's where you will see guys hemorrhage strokes at a la Victor Hovland. So I agree with you. I'm not as concerned about someone losing three around the greens at Summerlin, but you're you're saying there's more red flags in Abraham' answer here. Correct. Yep. Which, oh boy, ugly. Greg, are you willing to forgive Abe?
2: <laughs> yeah. Again, not my favorite, but I, I am. I'm willing, and the reason for that is he is a he's a fighter, and when he struggles, he bounces back quite nicely. He missed three cuts on tour last year. After the first one at the Sony Open, he came in tied fifth. After the one at the Genesis, he came in tied 18th in a WGC event. And after he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, he came in fourth at the at the Travelers. So he's done. He's done well in in the bounce back area. And so that being said, I'm not overly confident about it uh, about his game. I don't love what I saw last week, and I was so high on him last week that it was really disappointing. But I. I give him a little bit of extra credit because of his fight. And I don't think he's a guy who's going to get down on himself and say, my game's in shambles. And I need to, I need to work on all these areas of my game. He's going to keep on doing what he's doing. And this is a bad week and he'll he'll throw it behind him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he performed well.
0: The other, uh, to Greg's point about the bounce back week, all of those that he pointed out were indeed the next week, uh, not necessarily the next start, which is always good. It's a quick quick bounce back period. Okay. We're going to get down to the 8K and the 7K and the 6K, which the eight and the sevens, that that might be my favorite place. But first, we're going to take a quick
3: break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. The $8,000 range starts with Harris English, Tommy
0: Fleetwood, Webb Simpson goes down to Paul Casey, Adam Scott, and Patrick Reed. So see, uh, there's kind of a lot to unravel here. Uh, I have similar questions about guys that miss cuts like Webb Simpson and Jason Kokrak. I have concerns like I had last week about uh, Mr. Paul Casey and Patrick Reed. So we, we, we got to figure out what the heck's going on in this range.
1: This is a really tough range to handicap, in my opinion. I, there's two guys that sort of jump out to me. One is Harris English at 8,900. Yeah, he's coming off a miscut, so hopefully that keeps ownership down a little bit. But really what failed him was the putter more than anything. I think he lost six strokes putting, and, and we're about to see it. Five point nine two In two
0: rounds!
1: Impressive. That might be his
0: worst ever. Hold on, let me figure it out. That 5.96, that is his worst two-round total um, in his career.
1: Yeah. And so it's one of those things where I, I don't I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me at all if he gains two strokes putting it at, at, at this time at this at the um, at the CJ. And he, we know he's a good ball striker. I mean, he didn't strike the ball particularly well last week, but he wasn't horrible by any stretch. And honestly, he's just he's been hot. His recent form has has been good. I expect the putter to regress the other way and I expect uh, the ball striking to be there. So I think he's sort of a sneaky play, not a super sexy play. Hopefully that means ownership is kind of low. Uh, Speaking of ownership kind of being low and a guy who missed the cut last week, Jason Kokrak. Uh, He was another guy through two rounds. If you look at his numbers, his metrics, they weren't really that bad. He had one day he was a little shaky off the tee. He had one day where he was kind of bad with the putter. Outside of that, Jason Kokrak was, was pretty good. We know he's the type of guy, especially on a course like this, that can pile up the birdies that can just really score, which is what you're going to want to do, especially in a no-cut event. Like we always, we have to keep that in mind. We we had a few weeks in a row where we had kind of like no-cut events and then we went back to to normal and then we had the break. Like this is a no-cut event. Guys like Jason Kokrak, guys like Scotty Scheffler, that you might might not have a lot of made cut equity. Um, that's not really going to be as significant here.
0: The, yeah, so I'm with you on Kokrak. I lump Webb Simpson into the mix here as well, which is guys that were both four under and missed the cut. You know, they're four under, they missed the cut. They both gained on approach, not in a huge way because they still missed the cut. Uh both of them potted poorly, but you would expect that uh you know, the more they play because I believe that was both their first starts of the season. Yes, they were. Uh you would expect that to kind of figure itself out. Webb Simpson played the Fortnite. That's not true. Uh, But it was his first in a couple of weeks. So I I like to forgive and forget on those guys. Greg, when you're starting to parse through this $8,000 range, what do you come out with?
2: You got to think Webb Simpson's going to take a turn for the better. So I agree with you there. Although I'm not, again, I don't love it. Jason Kokrak jumped off the page to me. But um, he's technically the defending champion, technically the defender. (laughs) And that could work against him. Because again, it's like Lonto Griffin when he was defending the Houston open, the golf course (laughs) moved and you, you have, we spoke about this. That's why I bring it up. You have all the disadvantages of being the defending champion with extra media obligations and all that, all the stuff that goes along with that, but it's a different golf course. So you don't have that advantage. So it's all the bad, none of the good, but I love what Kokrak does with the driver. He's long as could be my big concern with him Mm -hmm. is the putter. And in that, in that second round, he lost a couple of strokes putting last week, even though he was four under. I, and it just makes me wonder was what Jason Kokrak found last year with the putter real or was it just, mm. um, is it a one year flash in the pan year with the putter? Which so I've had? thought about that.
0: Cause he had like a huge gain year huge over year game. now. Uh, and I thought about that for like the first half of the season. I'm like this, this might not be real. Can you have an entire season of like just off the charts? Sia says no, that you can. No,
1: no. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's going to continue to be like a, it, it a doesn't top mean 10 he's putter. Going, right. But but what I'm concerned with, what, especially when it comes to putting is the potential to be a good putter. And so when you give me that consistency last year for such a period of time, of course, I'm worried about the putter just like Greg. But I know he has the potential to putt well because he showed up. Pretty large sample size of doing that, so that's why guys like that really intrigue me, especially when their stock is a little low.
2: And I agree with that. One of, that's one of the reasons why I like him. It's just my con- that's my that's my concern. So Kokrak is like a guy you circle multiple times. He jumps off the page. Hmm. He's he's the perfect style, but I I have that I, I have that kind of sticking with me. The other guy I really am, am intrigued by in this range is Mark Leishman. And a portion of that is he's just on, he's simply on fire. He has two top five finishes in the two events he's played this year. He shot a 63 and a 65 in his two Sunday rounds, which I really like. He's striping the ball with his iron play right now, which, which can go a long way. 19th for the year so far approaching the green, which is, it's hard to even judge, but he's second, he's second in strokes game putting. And the other thing he's doing is he's hitting it. He's hitting it a long way. And through the first two events, he's averaging 317 off the tee, and then he's just piling up greens of regulation. So you combine a guy who's hit, who hits 75%, over 75% through those first two events in greens of regulation, and he's second in strokes game putting. I mean, I know he's only played eight rounds, but he's averaging six and a half birdies around. round. So I, I really like that. It, and it definitely he's averaging
0: seven strokes gained a week with the putter. I think that's coming down at some point, but you're right. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's rolling the rock. He's gaining strokes on approach as well. It's um he's obviously I'm not as bullish, but he's obviously feeling it like that's right. It's not, it's not complete fool's gold where Nick Watney the other week gains 11 and a half strokes. Putting loses everywhere else. At least Leishman is gaining on approach and he gained five at the fort. That's a huge number.
2: Yeah, and and he's a good putter historically. He is a guy that runs really hot with the putter. So it's not like a, a complete fluke where he just he just found something. When he plays well, he putts really well. So not necessarily the most consistent putter on the PGA tour year over year, but he's a guy that's been that's been quite good in the past, especially when it goes well. So I, I think in a no-cut event as well it's a good time to take a a flyer. Even if you feel like you're a little late, I still think there's a lot of value in, in Mark Leishman in this range.
0: Anybody else see a, uh, I'm like lukewarm on Adam Scott. I guess we'll wait and see on Patrick Reed. He was pretty bad last week at Summerlin. We're getting a glimpse of Lowry and Hatton for the first time since the Ryder cup. I I really, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to necessarily approach this range.
1: Well, Casey and Lowry are, 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 I think, the ones that I'm interested the most in the most in terms of like a second tier guy that I haven't decided whether I'm I'm playing or not. Uh, Casey's game's been a little erratic, but we know he's pretty good on approach. I mean, wow, th- that speaks to me a little bit. Uh, it's yeah. been the putter, obviously, that's gotten in his way. But again, the putter's been bad, but he at least has flashed some potential with it. I mean, there's a, obviously a couple nice ones there, but then there's a couple where he's just a zero putter essentially. I mean, off the tee and on approach, um, I can't really argue with that. And at his price, I mean, we saw Casey play really well, um, kind of towards the beginning to the middle of last season. And it wouldn't shock me if he picks up right where he, at least where he left off from there.
0: Okay. I, I, I don't know. I will be doing some uh, soul searching for the bottom of this $8,000 range, but let's jump on down to the $7,000 range starts with, Justin Rose, Kevin Na, Max Homa goes down to Russell Henley, Cameron Tringale, Jason Day, Sergio Garcia, we're seeing for the first time since the Sanderson Farms. Uh Siwoo Kim, who we see every single week. Max Homa back in the field for the first time since his victory at the Fortinet. Greg, when you start to dive into this range, what do you find?
2: I'm interested in Joaquin Neiman and Sergio Garcia primarily. Okay. Part of the reason is they're very, very good drivers of the golf ball uh, and they're, and they're long. Sergio showed us at the Ryder cup. He still has plenty of power in the bank. Now I'm not sure how that's going to translate this week. Um, So I would say Joaquin is probably my favorite in this range and he can be risky. Um, but I I was
0: happy to see him do this, uh, gain strokes putting last week. That was, that was, that was a big thing that we were looking for. I think we talked about it last week. He lost the putter at the end of 2020 or the end of the 2021 season, uh, which was uncharacteristic. And I was worried. It was like the Shriners was going to be for me, a defining moment. Did he fix it in the month that he had off?
2: Seemingly he did. I I'm, I'm fairly encouraged, but what, by what I saw from Joaquin. And he's a, he is a good putter. Typically he was 49th for the year, but as you said, it it did really start to slip at the end. He lost a lot of spots in that ranking, but he's a great ball striker, very good driver of the ball creative with the, with the driving. And he's a really good iron player as well. Uh, Last year on tour, he was 49th approaching the green. And so far through four rounds, uh, he's, he's 97th, but gaining on, on the year so far approaching the green. So uh, Joaquin Neiman really has my interest. And on the Sergio Garcia front, a pair of seventies at the Sanderson farms. I I'm not sure how concerned I am about that. Um, but I think there's a lot to like about it, about a Sergio Garcia. He played really well at, the, at caves Valley at the BMW championship where he was tied six. So I maybe again, and Joaquin played pretty well there as well. I think he was top 30 there too. Uh, And and Joaquin also played nicely at the Wells Fargo, which if you compare those golf courses, then I think they could be really, really solid ads. Sergio
0: Garcia gained strokes at the Sanderson Farms and missed the cut. Hard to do. It's hard to do because you have to finish like you have to finish 60, basically like 66th to like 71st. It's very small window. You can do that.
2: Right. Man, St- he did. He's, St- he's in good form. He's a really good, he's just, a, he, he's a really good ball striker. And you're hoping he can, he can get it going with the putter. Cause he, you know, he can contend, you know, he hits it well enough to contend.
0: Statistical so, anomaly that week. Uh, yeah. Okay. See, I've circled, believe it or not, I have one, two, three, I have four names circled here. One of them is not Harold Varner, the third, who I guess we need to keep an eye on. He is, uh, as we speak, Still in this field, congratulations to Harold and his wife. HV4 has arrived, uh, so congrats. I don't know if he's planning on playing, so we'll keep an eye on HV3 over the next couple of days. But this 7K range,
1: Sia, uh, you're speaking to it. What does it say? Okay, so I have four guys, Rick, and it sounds like you have four guys as well. I do. I'm willing to bet I have two of your four. Okay,
0: tell me who they are. Let's go one Aaron, by one.
1: Aaron wise for sure is one. Yes. Boom. Maverick McNeely. Not one for me. What? Uh, Alex (laughs) Noren. Okay. That's two. That's what, that's what I about. Nice. (laughs) Uh, I thought that one was the obscure one. Uh, And then Cameron Tringale. No, we, you you got it right. Two was the line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Aaron wise, I mean, he's, he's been really good. He's been solid off the tee. He's been solid on approach and the putter has been really good, which is awesome. Right. So
0: here's the thing. He's, he's top 25 in T to green last season which is an unbelievable stat to be top 25 in strokes, gain T to green. That's like, you're so close. He was 174th in putting. He's been much better. He's gained in three of his five. I told this anecdote a hundred times last week. I swear to you, Aaron wise uh, spent 20 hours on the putting surface last. Week. Every time I was at Summerlin, he was putting, it was unbelievable. Good for him.
1: I love it. I love it. I love uh, hearing so- that. So yeah, I, I like Wise. Um, we got to look at his outright odds because hey, that's fun. I right? know it's probably gonna <laughs> be pretty long. Um, Matt, Matt McNeil. He, now he is a member here, right, Rick? Uh, yes, he's a Vegas I
0: guy. I believe he.
1: Do- I believe he is a member here. Yes. So aside from that narrative, which could be a pro or a con, he's in, in <laughs> the metrics I looked at for this tournament. He's top twenty-five in almost every single one, um, and of course that's going to be like approach off the tee around the green putting but then some other stuff like stroke gain, par five you know birdie or better those kinds of things so he's near or it within the top 25 and almost every one of those and you know he's good off the tee if, if we want to look at that he's sixth in this field last 36 rounds off the tee uh and i i do like that he's familiar with the course so Matt McNeely for sure and then noren i mean he's yeah. just one of those guys where the metrics don't jump out at you. It's almost like the Cam Smith thing, like a, a poor man's Cam Smith, like where the metrics don't always jump out at you, but they always, every third tournament, just find themselves near the top, just making it with the putter, which Alex Noren is prone to doing and the short game. I like him. And then Cameron Trigali, I just think with Cameron, it's it's a price thing. At 7000 it seems a little too cheap for his caliber of player. Um, believe it or not, for those of you that don't think he's the guy that can score in par fives, he's pretty high up there. We know he can get hot with the putter. Off the tee is, is slight, maybe more than a slight weakness for him. Um, But outside of that, he's great. And so I'm willing to forgive that, especially at 7,000.
0: The thing about Norin is most people will only look and see, like they'll click the PGA logs or whatever, and it'll say T4 at the Northern Trust, T9 at the BMW Championship, which are both great. They might not know he also, the week before those, had a T 16 at the Olympics. Then he played twice on the European tour T 27 at the BMW PGA championship, which is a premier event on that circuit. And then just, uh, I guess it would have been two weeks ago, T 12 at the Alfred Dunhill. He is playing a lot of really good golf all over the globe at the moment. So I, I too like Alex Noren, the other two that you missed or that we did not align on one was Taylor Gooch, who just continues to be yeah. uh, just a ball striker, right? I mean, just flushes it. He is generally inaccurate off the tee, but l- longer than average. I don't mind that this week. And then the other guy was Russell Henley, who I believe uh, led the field in strokes gained approach last week. He did, which is just like, it, it's, it's vintage Russell Henley. Put yourself in a lot of situations. He's got a high enough floor. Those are the four that I had in that range.
2: I really like the Gooch play. Uh, he's been playing some great golf
0: 11th and fourth in his last two stars. He finished fifth at this event. I understand is a different golf course, but it is a similar caliber of field, a similar setup, 78 golfers, uh, no cut, uh, a he's he's like on the he's not having a coming out party he's like on the verge of having a coming out party he's like coming he's like he's like uh, just, I don't want to say he's even star adjacent he's like adjacent adjacent to becoming a star
2: Rick last year it's funny you mentioned that last year <laughs> around the January time frame I believe it was I did something about picking guys that were ready for a coming out party and he was my he was my top guy there were so mm. many metrics there were so many areas of his game that were really trending in the right direction and he performed well at at events like the cj cup some big events in the fall so i really thought his coming out party was going to happen last year it just kind of was average it it didn't happen and maybe maybe i'm a year early on him and it happens it's happening right now so i totally agree with you Uh, i'm a huge fan and i think he's always oh he's a very safe play week over week a very safe play so
0: I,
1: i love it and he won't miss the cut this week. So, see ya, again. Let me just. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> let me just point out that Aaron Wise and Alex Norn are both 60 to one to win the tournament. 45 to one to be your first round leaders. They they share similar numbers here. Uh, I'm not saying that's a great play. I, 60 to one's kind of fun. But I also noticed Hovland's 30 to one. I think that actually is a good number. So, OK, I'm done with the betting thing. Uh, I love Victor so much. He's so good.
0: Uh, somebody in the chat said he's, he was focusing too much on, on poker rooms. He's a big fish in the two, five game at at red rock. He's a, he's not a, he's stick to golf. I know he can afford to lose money at at the poker game, but, uh, he's a big Fisher over there. Wait, who's Uh, this
1: Victor Hovland. Are you serious?
0: Yeah. Wow. He loves poker. That's
1: very interesting. Loves poker. I got to fly out to these games. (laughs) He's such a good guy.
0: I love that kid. Um, $6,000 range. Oof. Interesting names. I mean, this is a stacked field. It's very interesting. Ian Poulter, Keegan Bradley at the top goes all the way down to, we already talked about one of these min price guys, Hudson Swafford. Also, uh, there's the injection of, uh, I believe the Korean tour gets five or six exemptions. I think the Japanese tour might get three. Uh, the other name that most people would recognize at the min price would be Lucas Glover. So, Greg, um, this is where, to see his point, you don't have to go this low because it's pretty soft, but like you can make some pretty good teams here.
2: Absolutely. And these are definitely classic major championship, like teams where on Wednesday, you feel like you got a winner because you can't believe the guy you got in the six K range and his name. I got Lucas Glover down here. (laughs) So you'll feel great about that. That being said, my two favorite plays in this range, one is cam Davis who played a really nice round last week, I believe on Sunday, Sunday. 66 on Sunday for a T 27 finish. And in a way, this reminds me of a Detroit golf club kind of scenario where you can hit it really far. You don't have to be that accurate. And he is a big time birdie maker. He was 22nd last year on the PGA tour in birdies made. He puts nice. Look at his
0: bent numbers.
2: He's like, he's
0: like Denny McCarthy on bent.
2: So I, I think he's, I mean, I, I'd look at his uh, his odds too. See uh, if you're interested. Oh, fair it, it, enough. If that's what you're into. Uh, but any, so I th- I think Cam Davis is a really smart play, and he's at 6,400. I mean, you could almost start there, and I think he's trending in the right direction. So I really like that. And if you want to go a little lower, a little deeper into the doldrums, I might go with a guy <laughs> like Keith Mitchell. Uh, mm. Keith Mitchell is you'll see he's coming off of two missed cuts at the Shriners. He shot 70 68 and was very near making the cut. But the thing I really like about him, and again, I'm sticking to my guns here with the Tom Fazio stuff. Maybe it's oversold. We'll see. Uh, I think, I think it's going to play out. And I look at a guy T three at the Wells Fargo championship and he played, he played okay at the BMW, but he plays really well at, at quail. And if there's any comparison, any, any situation where those two things may align, Keith Mitchell at 6200 in a no-cut event might be a, a a nice avenue.
0: Harry Higgs is kind of interesting. I followed Harry for a while cuz he was playing with Doc Redman and Honor Bon Lahiri. I followed that group for a for a while. Looks looks pretty much in control of his game. I'd be interested to roll back at that number 6100, I think. See uh, how in the world was Harry Hall not in the optimal lineup last week?
1: That's a great question. Here was, a, the, that, here, was
0: the, uh, here was the the Here is the optimal Sung Jae at 92, Wolf at 82, Leishman at 76, and then three guys in the $6,000 range. Shank at 68, Hadwin, Greg at 68, and Roy Sabatini, (laughs) nice coaching, at 6,500. The optimal lineup scores 756 points and costs 45,100. So if you're a big fan of leaving $4,900 on the table, you probably had yourself a pretty good week.
1: Wow. That's... That's impressive. Yeah.
0: But Harry Hall, you, min price. You not leave there. that much on the table, Rick. Do you will you go back? Uh sometimes. So the when I run lineups like that, I will cap I'll, I'll just cap it at like forty-seven thousand, And sometimes they show up in their fifty, forty five thousand one hundred, right? Depending on whatever metric I'm optimizing on. But um generally I yeah, forty seven or forty eight thousand, I'll cap it a lot of times.
1: Yeah. And can I just say, for just patting first cut on the back here, it was just last Monday where we actually dropped some knowledge about Harry Hall on the course that he was about to play, where he top 10. And then the week before, we dropped some knowledge about Sahith Tagala, who also top 10. These guys were like near the mid price, min price at the time. So uh, it pays to watch the first cut Monday.
0: It just also, it just also like golf is so deep. The fact that the, you know what I mean? Like someone has to be $6,200. Someone has to be 6,000. They're all very, very good at golf. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's and it's, it's actually, it. a, it's a cool way to think of it because like, you're right. Somebody has to get slotted into that, especially when the talent is is pretty deep. Like it is here. Somebody yeah. has to take that number and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad golfer.
0: Anybody else here, Sia, in the $6,000 range?
1: So I, I like Keegan. I mean, the the ball striking hasn't really been there. The putter certainly hasn't been there lately, but it's one of those things where I, I know Keegan it's can dark. do it, and it's yeah, and at sixty nine hundred it just seems to me that like I, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy like that. At, I raised 6, my nine. eyebrows at Keegan too.
2: it's it, it's interesting. Maybe it's just the name, but I see where you're going. see so ya.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've you know we saw it again, you know, if you look at the the summer last summer, I mean we're we're seeing the ball striking that we're we're used to seeing with a guy like Keegan Bradley. We're seeing a decent putter. And I think he can find that again. And when he when you're 6,900, listen, if he was 8,200, I wouldn't consider it. But when you're 6,900, it allows me to do a lot of different things. So I like him. I like Kevin Strelman uh, a lot for some reason. Uh, the metrics are okay across the board. He just seems to me like a guy that is going to strike the ball well. He's not going to be terrible on the par fives, even though he's a shorter hitter. And he seems to me like a guy that's just not going to have any ownership. And so he's another guy that I kind of want to lean on.
0: Yeah, you know, he always has a pretty decent floor. You know what I mean? It's just right. like he's not gonna—he's rarely gonna kill you, uh, which I think can be valuable, especially as he's—you're right—you're—you're you're in this price range, and um, you know, just finishing like inside the top thirty is probably worth it here.
2: See, right, you, a, you love Krielman. is that why? Because his floor is so high? You—you I mean, you bring him up a lot, and you know, I, I, is that why? I—I
1: I think it's sort of a, a like a, a cheat code that doesn't necessarily work for me, where I try <laughs> to pick guys when I'm not sure or when the when the price is right. If you're a good ball striker, and I think you're going to keep it in the fairway and set yourself up for that second shot. Well, like a Keegan Bradley normally does, for example, or a Charlie Hoffman, some of these guys, even Sergio. Uh, Like, I like to sort of try to lean on some of those guys because I know that 30% of the work is done. And it's just, you know, I got to have them, you know, close the deal. It's like, you know, you you do a killer crossover on somebody, but you airball the layup. It's like, that's great. That looked really good on film, but you didn't finish. Like, I, you know,
0: that's the basketball equivalent of Hideki stuffing it
1: to five feet and missing the putt. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so anyway the, the only other guy I'll say in the 6k range that I think will be pretty popular is Johnny Vegas um especially if you're leaning on those the, the off the T metrics he's going to grade out amazingly his recent form has been pretty good uh, immediate recent form hasn't been quite as good but we know he has upside especially in a no cut event by the way Cam Davis is 130 to 1 but if you don't think he can do it for four rounds first round leader he's 70 to 1
0: dang Looks like I'll be spending some Cam Davis money this week, which is not unusual. Greg, put a bow on this. Anybody else in the six thousand dollar range that we should consider for our DFS lineups for this week's CJ Cup?
2: Man, um I, I always got another guy near Min that jumps out to me every time. I can't quite figure him out, but Sebastian Munoz at sixty one hundred. Mm. I, I just feel like I feel like there should he, he should be a little bit higher and he's probably not for good reason, but he jumps out to me. I think he's a player who can, who can really pop, and again, not my favorite, not in my top two in the 6K range, but a guy that could, could go well. The one thing is he is kind of a popular name. He has missed three cuts in a row so far, but it, with his talent level, I imagine it's going to turn around at some point. He can't miss the cut this week. So maybe, maybe he's another guy to throw in there. Maybe that's all he needs. Just uh, unlock his brain from
0: not, right. uh, not worrying about missing the cut this week. Okay. Uh, I think that'll do it. DFS preview. I will be out there with my notes from Greg on what to look for. So I'm very excited to get out there and see what this place is all about. I imagine it's going to be awesome. So we shall see. Um, and I'll report back. That's how this will work. Follow See ya on Twitter, at CNAJAD. Follow Greg at TheRealGFD. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.